Good day, everyone, and welcome to another installment of our Prophecy Series. This is part eight. I am Pastor Ken Richards, and today, by the way, is Thanksgiving here in the U.S. It is November 25, 25th of November, 2021, and families and friends are getting together. They're cooking, they're having a good time, and that is all good. We're getting together here with friends and family, too. And yet, we should always be thankful to God every day, every moment of every day for His grace, for His protection, His care, and His, His many blessings towards us. So let's live in thankfulness. Now, last week, I made some statements which might seem quite startling to some of our listeners. Statements that I hoped would, would trigger questions in your mind so that as these questions are asked, they can be answered, thus giving more clarity and understanding. The following is one case of this happening, as we answer a couple of questions which are, number one, regarding what is happening in the churches and the things that are coming up in the world, why are we not hearing these things in the churches? The second question asked is, what do you mean when you see that the churches have been infiltrated? I will deal with the first question first. Why are we not hearing these things in our churches? Now, I might not get to the second question until next week, depending on how much it takes me to really get into this first question and, you know, answer it. But if that's the case, no problem. Both will get answered. Now, why are we not hearing these things in your churches? One reason is that many pastors don't know what is coming. Pastors are shepherds. What is a shepherd? One who leads and teaches and nurtures and equips and protects the flock. Jesus is the true shepherd, but the pastor is supposed to be an under-shepherd of Christ, a representative of Christ who has taken on the responsibility of feeding the church by teaching and equipping them with truth so that they can be wise and prepared, so that they can know the truth live the truth, and be sanctified by the truth, as we're told in John 17 and verse 17. This means that the shepherd is supposed to be also a diligent student of the Word of God, equipping himself or herself, whatever, daily in the Word of God so that he or she, whatever, might have fresh food for the people. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the just is like a shining light, which shines more and more until the perfect day. This means that truth is progressively unfolding. The shepherd must be a constant learner at the feet of Christ in prayer, receiving from him in order to give to the congregation. But many are lazy, lackadaisical, comfortable, and not willing to constantly engage their mind in receiving in order to feed. And just as in the natural world, so also in the spiritual. If you are not being fed fresh, nourishing food to the body, you get sick and malnourished. So too, in the spiritual sense, you get spiritually sick and malnourished if you're not being nourished by fresh, nourishing food, spiritual food. Another reason why these things are not being heard in the churches is that it is an inconvenient truth. And many people generally prefer to just turn their head in the other direction and pretend that the storm is not coming. They prefer to stay in their comfort zone and not deal with 
realities that will shake them out of their comfort zone. But even the proverbial ostrich which sticks its head in the sand so as not to see the approaching predator, it gets devoured by the predator eventually. So if you don't want to bother your mind by seeing the danger that's coming, this doesn't stop the danger from coming. You can't just wish it away or hope it doesn't come. God says it will, and so it will. But some prefer to just block it out and hope it doesn't come. A third reason why you don't hear these things in the churches is that, just as with the prophets of the Bible, the hard truth comes at a cost. When you read the Bible, you will notice that whenever danger is coming, God raises up prophets to warn the people and to prepare them so that they may escape the danger. But many times, the people did not want to hear it. Instead of receiving the messages or warnings that God sent, they wanted the prophets to give them smooth messages. And so sometimes the prophets were killed. Watchmen are supposed to warn of impending danger. This is a God-given commission. And obedience to God must be our priority, even if it puts life at stake. We read in Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 6 and 7, and it says, But if the watchman sees the sword coming, and blows not the trumpet, and the people are not warned, if the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee as a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth, and warn them from me. Ezekiel 33, 6 and 7, that is. Now when God places a calling upon a person's heart, who can dare refuse to carry it out? When God gives a word to awaken the people, it's a serious thing to forsake the call. Refuse to give it, and many souls are left in danger. People's eternal destiny is at stake. But not many pastors seem to want to awaken the people. Not many seem to want to give an unpopular message because it might cost them their popularity. They might lose some friends or a few followers. But so what? The truth must be told at all costs. The scripture I just read from Ezekiel it states that if the watchman sees the danger coming and does not sound the warning, then many will be taken away in their iniquity. In other words, they will die in their sins and the watchman will be held accountable. It says, their blood will I require at the watchman's hands. But not only is it that many leaders do not want to give an unpopular message, but not many people seem to want to hear an unpopular message either. Like in the days of Isaiah, some people only want smooth messages that pacify them and makes them feel good. Here is what the prophet wrote about people in his day, reading from the contemporary English version. Isaiah 30 and verse 10, They have said to God's messengers and prophets, don't tell us what God has shown you and don't preach the truth. Just say what we want to hear, even if it's false. That is Isaiah 30 and verse 10. But the warning must be given. In John chapter 6, thousands of people showed up where Jesus was and he began to speak to them. But it was not what they wanted to hear. And notice what they said in John chapter 6 and verse 60. It says, Many therefore of the people... When they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And then notice the result. John 6 and verse 66. 
And from that time, many of his disciples walked no more with him. Think about that. Jesus didn't try to stop them either. They needed to hear the hard truth, whether they accepted or rejected it. It was up to them to do so. So he spoke the truth and left them free to decide whether they wanted to have the unpopular truth or not. And for those who rejected him, those same words that he spoke will come back to condemn them in the judgment. Now after they left and no longer walked with him or listened to him, in the verses following we read, Then Jesus said to the twelve, that's the twelve original disciples, he said, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So at least the original twelve with Peter as their spokesperson, they knew that even in the hard, unpopular truths, there is eternal life. Now, a fourth reason, I might say, as to why you don't hear these things in the churches, is that there is a very popular teaching that has been brought into the churches in recent years. The apostles never taught it. Jesus never mentions it, but it has been concocted and made popular through certain books and movies that were produced, giving it overnight success and wide acceptance in the churches. It is a teaching that I have dealt with on the radio at least a few times before, and will again when requested, showing not only that it is unbiblical, but also showing who started it, when it was started, why it was started, and why it was necessary to infiltrate it into the Christian churches, exposing the plan behind bringing this teaching into the Christian churches. It is the teaching of a secret rapture, which people are told is going to happen suddenly and silently one day when all true believers are suddenly whisked out of this world to heaven, escaping any tribulation which are coming upon the world. So the reasoning is this. Since we are not going to be here, we are going to be raptured away before the tribulation. Why bother with knowing what is to come? So many think they don't need to know. They don't need to prepare. But let me tell you, friends, this is one of the biggest deceptions that have been perpetrated upon the Christian mind. Millions are going to be caught unready because they believed a lie, which told them, don't worry, you will be raptured long before the trouble comes. When COVID broke out two years ago and there were the first lockdowns and thousands were dying in all different countries, many who believe this started getting nervous and asking, how come we're still here? We should have been raptured already. We need a rapture now. But don't be deceived, dear friends. Things are coming and they're going to get worse. And God's people need to be prepared. God invites us. He says in Isaiah 26 and verse 20, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut the doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. And by the way, the only secure hiding place in these times is in Jesus Christ. Now, another reason, possibly a fifth reason, why you don't hear these things in many churches, is that many churches have become profit-driven. They've become commercial centers, more concerned about the money than the truth. Notice that the scriptures say that many will cause the truth to be evil spoken of. Every day, many people are being turned away from God because of what they see happening in many churches. It's all about money. 
I have personally had many people call me telling me how disgusted they are with the fact that so many churches seem to become businesses. Pastors and leaders driven by greed, and as the prophet Peter said, making merchandise of the people. 2 Peter 2 verses 2 and 3 says, And many shall follow their evil ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with deceptive words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now for a long time lingers not, and your damnation slumbers not. In other words, Peter is saying that many are making merchandise, but their damnation is coming. One listener called me some time ago and told me about their, their frustration. They were going through difficult circumstances and they called up the prayer line for one local church requesting prayer and was told a specified amount of money that they had to send into the church for them to be prayed for. Think about that. It's disgusting that even a prayer can be sold. So how can you preach the solemn truths of God for this time if money is really your God? That's just another reason. Notice what the Holy Spirit showed to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 56, 10 and 11. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way and every one for gain from his quarter. Everyone is seeking for gain. Greedy shepherds. Not my words. The Bible's words. I'm just quoting Isaiah 56, 10 and 11. So the Bible itself says no man can serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. So this is one of the reasons why you are not hearing certain things in your churches. Now I could go on and on stating the reasons and still not give you all of them. But I just highlighted a few. But as always, I want to be very clear with you all, dear friends. I am not here to knock anyone or point a finger at any church or any pastor or whatever. I am just a messenger to give the truth and that's it. Because only the truth can deliver you from bondage and deception. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It is by the truth that we are sanctified and made ready for the Master's kingdom. John 17 and verse 17. And so, what I'm going to say to you all now, dear friends, I said to my own local congregation also, it is this. Do not put your trust and your hope of salvation in any church. I'll repeat what I just said. Do not put your trust in any church or your hope for salvation in any church. No church has ever saved anyone and no church can save anyone. There is one Savior and that is Jesus Christ. Now you might be wondering, why is Pastor Richard saying that? Doesn't he have a church congregation also? Yes. And I tell them the very same thing. Understand, dear listener, that my local church has never saved one person and can save not one. No church has ever saved anyone. The church exists for the purpose of pointing people to Christ. 
so that they can behold him and enter into a personal relationship with him and put their trust fully in him. And this is referred to in the Bible as a marriage union with Christ. In Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 14, we read, Turn, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. He's saying, Turn to me, and I will save you. In Isaiah 54 and verse 5, it says, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. And there are many other texts that shows the marriage relationship is used to describe the kind of relationship that God is seeking to have with his people. The physical union of marriage between wives and husbands is designed to give us a glimpse into a spiritual reality. God wants a union with us in which we are number one to him and he is always number one to us. So the purpose of the church is not to win the loyalty of the people to itself so that they become married to the church. No. When any church does that, it puts itself in the place of Christ and thus becomes a system of Antichrist. When a church does that, it usurps the position of Christ in the heart and the minds of its people, and thus it becomes a center of idolatry, in which people begin to see their safety as in the church instead of in Christ. Hence, you can check any church and you will find many people in them who go to church faithfully every week and yet do not know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior to whom they have given the Lordship over their life. You will find many people in churches who are not converted, who look like good Christians, but when difficulties and challenges strike, they have no rest, no peace and they abandon the principles of Christ's kingdom and do certain things that anyone else out in the world would do. Understand, dear listener, that the purpose of the church is to nurture people and instruct them, bringing them in relationship with Jesus Christ, so that their loyalty is to him, not to the church itself, but to Jesus Christ. Why is this important to know? Because churches will fall even while they continue on looking normal. They may be doing the work of the devil. Let us take one prime example from history as a teaching model. I will read a text from the book of John and then analyze it so you can see for yourselves. It's taken from John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43. And it says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Notice, it says many of the people, even of the chief rulers, many of them, it says, believed on him, that is on Jesus. But they did not confess him. In other words, they refused to acknowledge him. They denied him. No, Jesus in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. So what does it mean that they believed him but did not confess him? It means that they knew who he really was. They knew he was really the promised Messiah to come. First promised to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden 
after they had sinned, promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, and spoken of by all the prophets as the one who would eventually come to the world to defeat, to overcome the serpent and bring salvation to the human race. They knew he was the one. At night, by candlelight, or whatever light they had, they had gone back to look over the writings of the prophets. They saw his miracles, and they went back to look at the writings of the prophets to see if this could really be the promised Messiah. And they saw that he was. They were convicted in their conscience. Daniel spoke of when he would show up. Isaiah spoke of how he would be born and the work he would do. Micah the prophet spoke of where he would be born, that he would be born in Bethlehem, and the evidence after evidence after evidence piled up. So when it says many of the rulers believed on him, it does not mean that they accepted him. It means they were convicted that he was indeed the one that the prophets wrote about to come. God manifested in the flesh, as we're told in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Yet they denied and rejected him. Why? The verse also tells us, because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praises of men more than the praise of God. In other words, the leaders in the church said, look, anyone who accepts this man, we will disfellowship from the church. Now, you would think that any sensible person would say, well, you can keep your synagogue. I am holding on to Christ because any church without Christ can only be a synagogue of Satan. But they didn't do this. They rejected the one whom all their ancestors had been looking forward to for over 1,500 years. These were the people who were supposed to be the chosen people, according to the scriptures. Eventually, Jesus said to them, your house, in other words, your synagogue, your whole religion, your nation, he said, your house is left unto you desolate. Matthew 23 and verse 38. The presence of God was withdrawn from the very people who were said to be the people of God. There was only one direction they could go from there. They eventually joined up with the Roman political governor, Pilate, and crucified him. And in killing him, they thought they were getting rid of him for good. But in his death, he was saving the world. Now think about this. Why could they not confess Jesus Christ and enter into that spiritual union of marriage with him as Lord and Savior of their life? Why? Because they were already married to their churches. They were convincingly indoctrinated into the belief that their salvation was assured in connection with their church. That their names had to be on the church book for them to be saved. So when it came to making a choice between confessing Christ, accepting Him, and embracing Him, and entering into a union of marriage with Him spiritually, and getting thrown out of the synagogues, disfellowshipped, that is, or, on the other hand, denying him, refusing to confess him, and being kept in the synagogues. What did they choose? They chose the latter. So their hope of salvation was in the church, instead of being in Christ. And that same subtle species of indoctrination is rampant today in the world, dear friends. And I must tell you, 
the church is to bring people into union with Jesus Christ, who is the only one in whom salvation is found. There is no other name given under heaven, no name of any organization whereby we must be saved. Acts 4 and verse 12. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We have one Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. And we must point people to him, not to our earthly corporate systems. Few years later, their whole city, their whole nation was wiped out in AD 70. The Romans themselves, who they joined with, later came and wiped out Jerusalem in AD 70. Jesus had said to them, not one stone of this city, of this temple, will be left upon another. And it was fulfilled. And Jesus said the same thing will happen over and over again in the future until he returns. Notice John 16 verses 1 to 3 as Jesus is advising his disciples, which includes us today. He said, These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. You should not be shocked when it happens. They shall put you out of the synagogue, out of the churches. Yes, the time is coming when whosoever kills you will even think that he's doing God's service in doing so. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. So there'll be a parallel between how Jesus was treated by organized religion and how those who are faithful to him will be treated by organized religion joined together with politics, just like it was in his day. The wise man Solomon confirms. In Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 9, he said, The thing that has been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. In other words, history will repeat itself. In Ecclesiastes 3.15, he says, That which has been is now, and that which is to be has already been. In other words, history will be repeated. So when your faith and your trust is in a church, and that church falls, guess who falls with it? You do. So remember, this is not to say you should not have a church fellowship that you're a member of. No, I'm not saying that. But make sure your faith is not in a church or in any man, but in Jesus Christ. Understand, dear friends, men fall and churches can fall and will fall. And when they fall, they become agents of the enemy, even though they may continue on looking good. The Jewish church was one example of this, and they were supposed to be the chosen people of God. So you have your church fellowship. But make sure that the center of your Christian experience is Christ, not the church. Be an ardent seeker after truth and cherish a willingness to accept truth wherever it is, knowing that whatever is of truth is of God and whatever is contrary to the truth is of the devil because God self-identifies as truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So cultivate an earnest desire to know what is true, dear friends. To have the truth and to live the truth and to share the truth and let it direct your life. Count it more precious than all else, more precious than gold and silver. Because in doing so, you're abiding in Christ, who is the truth. And in time, it will be seen that the only place of safety in this world is in an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, in our next upload, I will answer the question regarding what I meant by infiltration of the churches. But for now, keep safe 
Keep trusting, live in thankfulness, and know for certain that God loves you with an everlasting love. God bless you all, dear friends.